Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. was everybody's talking from bill withers i hadn't heard that one maybe you hadn't either but he is one of my favorite artists good morning this is me elliot moss on jazz fm's jazz shapers jazz shapers the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz blues and soul alongside their equivalents in the world of business a business shaper my business shaper this morning i'm very pleased to say is mike Souter. he is the one-time editor of smash hits the one-time managing director of kiss fm amongst many other extraordinary accolades he is now the co-founder of short Media. They own both Shortlist and Stylist, two incredibly successful magazines and uh, content creators, if you like, as well. Lots coming up from Mike very shortly. In addition to hearing from Mike, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, some great music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Jason Moran, Art Blakey and this from Van Morrison. Back along the lane again There in the sunshine In the sweet summertime The way that young lovers do That was The Way Young Lovers Do from the classic 1968 album Astral Weeks from Van Morrison. Mike Souter is my business shaper, as I said earlier. He is the co-founder of Shortlist Media. If you happen to be in London and you get on a tube, if you happen to be um, someone who has been around and about, you will have noticed this incredible phenomenon called Shortlist. You would have also noticed Stylist, whether you are a man or a woman, because these are two extraordinary publications which are now helping Shortlist Shortlist Media turnover roughly £24 million, or at least they will be by December 2015. Um, pretty incredible. And the, as I said, the co-founder here is, is Mike. He's with me. Thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Good You're, morning. Good morning. You're a journalist turned entrepreneur. I don't think I've met a journalist who's become an entrepreneur. Maybe I've met one, uh, William Cash, very different, <laughs> Spears Wealth Management Space. But it's, we'll, we'll talk about your, your, your very uh, prestigious past, but what is it in you, you think, that's, in, that's ensured that you have become the entrepreneur? What wasn't making you happy enough when you were creating things? I guess I was always a fairly average journalist who worked with some quite brilliant ones. And I recognised that from a relatively early age. So even when I was... I started in journalism when I was 17 years old. Um, and I worked with some people who were phenomenal writers. I kind of realised I had my own limitations. And so I moved quite quickly into helping manage journalist because I had to work quite hard on my own journalism in order to to, to, to work out how to do it brilliantly. So I became pretty good at commissioning journalists and organising them and getting them to places on time and then producing pages and then those sorts of skills get you into uh, editorial management. So I was an editor um, uh, quite quite young and, and I guess that's the bit making things, creating products bringing teams of people together managing and motivating them, that was always something from, from quite an early point in my career that I was excited and 
motivated by. So, so that in combination with this, uh, I, I was looking back at, uh, as as we did our research on you, Mike. It's, uh, <laughs> a lot of due diligence went into this. You, when you um, took over for him magazine and made the decision to rebrand it FHM, that isn't an editorial call in a way. That isn't a management of edit- editorial call in a way. That's a kind of a marketing call. That's a very smart bit of rebranding. Obviously, you've got good people around. You have had, I imagine, through your career because you've chosen to, to ensure they're there. Where's that now come from, that ability to spot the opportunity? Because obviously, shortlist and stylist, which we'll come on to talk about, are those. They're opportunities. What's enabled you to be the person that's been able to do that through your career rather than somebody else? I think, I think Elliot, you put your finger on it, which is having great people around you. And I've been really lucky from a very early age in my career to have brilliant mentors, people who were very smart and who were very generous with their time with me. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to hire and work with some extraordinary talent. And um, whilst I always think I'm right with anything that I say, I've worked with enough great people to know that I'm not and, and to be able to really listen to the best argument and allow the best argument to win. So lots of the things which you know I, I, I'm credited with, I maybe was in the room, I maybe contributed towards them, but to be honest, all of, the, all of the businesses I've been involved in, all of the brands that I've been involved in, I've played my part, but actually the credit goes to the, the whole team almost all the time. He said almost all the time. <laughs> you, you noticed that. Stay with me for much more from Mike Suter, my business shaper, the co-founder of Shortlist Media, and actually the co-founder of Crash Test Media, which is what we'll be talking about uh, shortly. You wouldn't have heard of them, and there's something in that too. Time for some music. This is I'm All Right from Madeline Peru. of sound of Madeline Peru with I'm Alright. Mike Suter is my business shaper and he is the co-founder of Shortlist Media. They create Shortlist and they create Stylist. They're turning over almost £25 million. That's pretty big business, employ 150 people, but it wasn't always so. And I've been talking to Mike about his move from being a not-so-good writer, his words not mine, into managing, being an editorial kind of person, into actually moving into management. And you ended up managing, uh, being managing director of a radio station of KISS FM. Difficult? At that point, taking on a business, you hadn't been in radio before? Uh, I moved from being the editor of FHM. Um, and I was kind of plucked, I, I guess, from from that side of the media, and and was really given this extraordinary opportunity to take what was a a young and vibrant station, but by no means the finished article, and kind of learn how to to run it, learn how to manage a big team. I moved from maybe twelve people that I was managing, you know, on an editorial team only, to managing sixty people. There were commercial people, there were technical people, there were, you know, there were there were. Pres- Presenters and an incredible talent, even Chris Phillips, uh, uh, within there as as part of the uh, as part of the whole roster of talent we had there, and so it kind of really stretched me and stretched my abilities. And when I look back on it, some of it was brilliant. Some of it we were really successful, and we won awards. Revenues went up, even profits went up. Although, funnily enough, I, I made plenty of mistakes as well. I made mistakes in the way that I managed people when I was there. I I made some changes 
years that then I look back on and thought, oh, that was, I thought it was the right thing to do, but it ultimately turned out not to be the best decision. And, and actually, I learned a, a huge, huge amount from it. And it really helped season me, I guess, kind of mature me from being a, a specialist kind of a manager to being more of a general manager. Now, of course, all things that are sound strategic start somewhere else. I believe this is a quote, your quote, and you can tell me you didn't say this. The first idea you said doesn't have to be the best idea you'll ever have. And I'm referencing now Crash Test Media, which was the precursor to Shortlist Media. You set up this business, and I think it was to provide cons- some consultancy work. Is that right? Some sort That's of- right, yes. Yeah. It, it didn't work, but it spawned Shortlist Media. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely fair. So I, I was on the board of IPC, this big old publishing company in the UK. I felt my time there was up, I left, I had this brilliant idea, I thought, which was to set up this consultancy to go and work with big media companies around the world to help them reinvent struggling brands, to help them launch brilliant new magazines, websites, broadcast pieces, everything else. And it seemed like a great idea. And it seemed like a great idea that we would create things, create new products, create left field ideas, and then sell them on. And actually, those two things just simply didn't come together. But what was really important was that I started, that we started. So myself, my business partner, Tim Ewington, that we had a business and that we had the basis then to realise once we were into the market, once we were trading, that what we were doing was the wrong thing. And then and then to classically pivot from there and actually turn our attention to something that was far more sustainable and far more long term. And so we kind of accidentally moved from being consultants into being media owners, into having something which we kind of decided we really needed something that would survive if we both got knocked over by a bus, something that was properly sustainable. And that was really what drove us. Find out how the accidental uh, entrepreneur, or rather intentional entrepreneur, became a very successful entrepreneur after st- uh, try number one. And it's uh, good to hear the truth behind the crash test media story. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. My name's Jonathan Berman. I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkondorea. We spent a lot of time in our department dealing with people who are establishing new joint ventures. When we look at these relationships, they are much, much more likely to succeed if the participants have been through a process before they actually start working together. And it's the process rather than the documentation that's critical. And what they do is to address in issues that they would generally feel uncomfortable with, about discussing with one another. The rationale is they want to get on with it and they've got a good feeling about working together and by asking difficult questions it in their mind could endanger that good feeling but that's the wrong way of going about it. and I'll give you a couple of examples of the types of things they should be thinking about. The first is are we looking to maintain this business as a going concern under our ownership for the foreseeable future Or are we establishing it with a view to building it up over three years and selling it? If one's got one view, one's got the other, it leads to huge disagreement. And it's one of the biggest reasons for businesses failing. The second is, what's the business intended to do? What is our vision? Is our vision joint? Do we go into the UK or are we looking to expand into Germany? Are we going into America? Are we focusing on one business product or service? Or are we expecting to expand beyond that? Again, having a business plan and sitting there and considering exactly how the business is intended to grow over the next few years is vital. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning. Uh, please do join me. He says, urging you to join me, uh, to hear me talking to uh, an incredibly interesting shaper from the world of business. I've had almost 165 of them so far. If you'd like to catch most of them, they're in iTunes under the words Jazz and Shapers. They're on City AM regularly, FT.com. And if you're flying with British Airways, then you can also catch them in High Life. Lots of places for you to discover. Mike Suter's my business shaper today. Lots of things to talk about, but you got to to this, the, you, you found this space in the market, you pivoted as you said, you started with a, a bunch of people right at the beginning, I mean I, I, I think I believe you got up to around 20 quite quickly mm-hmm. to, to deliver this thing called Shortlist. Did you have a very clear vision of the editorial content? You, it sounds like you did. Yeah, we were very clear on the audience that we wanted to serve uh, because men's magazines at the time when we launched back in 2007 were in really serious decline and I came from a background of you know a lot of experience in men's magazines and we kind of asked ourselves well are they, are they in decline because men no longer want to read magazines that in some way that platform is a bust flush or is it because what they're being served with isn't right, isn't meeting their needs anymore. And we were convinced, uh, and I think we were right, that it was the latter of those two. So we had a very clear market to serve, and we had a very clear idea of the things that this magazine shortlist for men was going to have to stand for. And we wanted to do everything that we could to service them. We wanted to do everything that we could to make them better, to help them be the best possible version of Mm. themselves. So it was still a frothy, really entertaining mix of content, but it had a real noble purpose behind it, like most great media does. Now, before it got off the ground, you needed money. And and the, the story goes, you raised around four million quid in a month, which is, if that's true, you can tell me it took a bit longer. Maybe it's four weeks and two days. But incredibly, that's a lot of money. The quantum's big, but the speed is fast. What was the secret? Because many people listening, thinking about setting up their own business, and you know, they've got to go and do that money-raising thing, or often they have to. What do you think nailed it for you? I think it was a real combination of factors. It, it, it was actually four weeks, as it, as it turns out. Um, the combination of factors was... We'd have we'd a very clear view of the business. Um, we had a compelling business plan. We had a product which, using all of our skill and experience as a team, we had created, we had prototype looped, we had tested until it really was, you know, al- almost broken. I mean, we really stress tested the the concept. So we were absolutely certain of ourselves and of the business plan and of the market opportunity. Um, uh, and then there were two things which were lucky. In truth, the first was that I um, managed to meet somebody who I had known really well, um, uh, who was similarly really excited about the idea, and he had some a network of wealthy friends, business angels, if you like, and we were able to persuade them to invest, and then the the piece kind of snowballed from there. It had momentum. We were able to value it. Um, um, straight away based upon the the power of the idea and the research that we'd done. And I learned a really important lesson at that point as well, which is because I kind of thought that the idea was the important thing. Uh, and, and originally we went to them saying, well, look, we'll help this thing get set up and then we'll bring a management team into place who'll run it and we'll, we'll drift off. And what I learned was that they 
back investors, great investors, back people first and ideas second. Because ideas flex and change and evolve all the time, whereas people, that's who you're really backing. And finally, there was one other lucky piece. It was early 2007. And people understood, investors understood at that point, that there might be a little bit of economic trouble on the way, maybe towards the end of the year. What nobody anticipated, because nobody could foresee it, was frankly a global economic catastrophe and a meltdown. If we hadn't been in the market raising money then, I don't think the business would be here today. If we hadn't launched Shortlist when we launched it in September 2007, I don't think we'd be here today. We were so lucky to be at a point where we could raise money and launch a title into a more welcoming world. Well, there you go. You know now exactly how to raise money and make sure you don't do it after a financial crash. (laughs) Much more coming up from Mike Suter very shortly, though. In the meantime, time for some music. It's Honeysuckle Rose from Jason Moran. That was Jason Moran with Honeysuckle Rose. Mike Suter is my business shaper, co-founder of Shortlist Media, manager of, of other journalists, <laughs> as well as being a good journalist himself. Mike, I'm going to challenge you on that one. Very simple question for you. You moved into the world of ownership and you moved away from the world of management of other people's assets. How did that feel and how does it feel now? I had a really interesting experience earlier in my career when I went to the States and I worked for Felix Dennis, the legendary billionaire, now sadly deceased, um, uh, incredibly uh, energetic and enthusiastic uh, uh, media boss, media owner. Um, And I got a real taste for what it's like um, working for an owner rather than working for a manager. And I learned a huge amount of the time and it it kind of registered quite loudly with me. And it gave me some confidence. It gave me the confidence to think, well, he's just a man like anybody else. And whilst I've worked for all these massive multinational companies, you don't need to start a massive multinational to be in this game, to actually own media assets. And I think that was probably the the spark for me, was working for Felix. And then in terms of actually how it feels, now that you're Felix, and and, and sadly has passed away, but you're the equivalent now, it's you. What what does that actually feel versus being the manager of that business, of a business before? I, I think I'm both. I think uh, you know I, I you know I'm a, I'm an owner of the business, but also I am a manager of the business. I'm husbanding this business. I'm trying to manage it in the best way possible, both for the shareholders that we have, but also for the team. You know, you've got to remember that that you know this was only eight years ago that that we started to attract people from you know from from all over the industry to come and work for us, and they gave us their trust and faith at that point. And so, it's really important that we manage this business well for them. So, I see the calm and I see the steely because I can feel you're a steely guy. And I, that that not that people have said that to me honestly, Mike. Um, he says <laughs> I, they really haven't. But the the interesting thing I, I'm seeing is that I imagine you're emotional because it's your baby. But you seem like you manage that well. Is that right? I, I really try to. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, what do you like as a boss? Um, are, you, are, you a, are you a shouter? And it made me think, I've never, 
in the workplace ever shouted. I've never raised my voice over and above shouting some insults at one of my business partners across the room or, or having a laugh. I, you know, I, I am emotional. I'm very passionate about our business. I'm very passionate about the people there. I'm very passionate about our advertisers. But, but I'm also, I think, I hope I really try and remain professional. We'll have a final chat with Mike. Plus, play some music from Art Blakey. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. was Cubano chant from Art Blakey. Just for a few more minutes, Mike Suter is my business shaper. If you've been listening, you'll know he's the co-founder of um, Shortlist Media, and they are approaching the £25 million turnover place. Uh, Two products. You've got Stylist on the one side talking to women, I suppose, uh, primarily, but not just women. And on the other side, you have Shortlist Media, which if you heard earlier, you will know that came out of a belief on both sides from Mike that there was room in the market to talk intelligently to different audiences um, in, in a unique way and, and indeed attract lots of advertisers. You've done a lot, Mike. Are you as excited today as you were eight years ago when this was a baby and you were launching it? What's next? More international? More here? What, what, what's in your head? Uh, well, actually, the, the very next thing that we're doing is, is one of our biggest bets that we've ever done, and all launches are uncertain and therefore bets, which is we're launching Stylist Live in October, uh, which is a huge investment on our part. Am I as excited as I was when I started? I am definitely as excited. I'm definitely as nervous, and I love that. It kind of powers me through. It's really exciting. Now, you've been working a long time as well. I mean, you didn't do the university thing. You you are um, obviously excellent at what you do. You have become an entrepreneur. You have pedigree. Absolutely made no difference. You didn't go to university. Sounds like, actually, for you personally, that was the right thing. Is that, looking back now, do you ever think, oh, I wish I'd have done that? There was a point where... I really did think I'd missed out because I was 17, I started work and, and it wasn't to do with that kind of gap year thing. It was more to do with a lot of the things I've learned, I've learned on the hoof and I've learned from other people. And that's a brilliant way of learning. But it occurred to me that also I was doing lots of things in a longhand way that I'd never learned you know, from an academic perspective, how one might approach things. And I was lucky enough, actually, uh, when I was at IPC uh, 10 years ago, that they sent me off to the University of Michigan for six weeks to do this really intensive executive management course. And it stripped me back. And I learned from there, I learned, you know, the right way to approach financial documents. I learned the right way to construct strategy, to look at marketing plans. And it was interesting for me because I'd already had such a bedrock of experience to be able to contrast how I did things with how they should be done, in inverted commas. And and I've benefited from that because I've been able to, to, to knit those two things together. So... You know, I, 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 I suppose I missed the drinking that I would have gone on at, at university and all the casual sex. 
but you know, over and above that, I'm I'm fairly happy with how I got on. Uh, and in last question before I ask you what your song choice is, thumbs up right now for for starting your own business or a thumbs down? I think it's a brilliant time to start your own business. I honestly think it's such a critical time. We're still going through. We're coming out of recession. There's absolutely no doubt about that. The economy is definitely on the up. This is a moment of real opportunity for people to get new goods and services into the market. It's still tough to do it, but if you can get a, a, a service or a new product in that consumers really love, that your customers really love, if you can get it that now, then as this tide rises, it will float all boats. So you'll have to be good, but also your business will do well because we're now at the start of a rising economy. Get out there, do it for sure. Mike, thank you. You've been a fantastic guest. Um, I really appreciate you joining me today. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Uh, so my song choice is Nina Simone's Mr. Bojangles. It's a song which I it takes me back to being about 17, 18 years old, um, sitting with an enormous Walkman, uh, the, the, you know, the size of two bricks, uh, sellotape together, um, and listening to compilation tapes that, 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 you know, my friends made me. And this was, this was one of those that I would sit and listen to, sitting on a train going from Dundee, where I was living and working, coming down to London, coming down to the, the, the bright lights. And it's got this wonderful, melancholic optimism. I don't know any other way to explain it. It's just something within it, something within the DNA of the sound of this that just makes me happy and sad and fully rounded. Here it is. Thank you so much again for joining me. I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you. Worn out shoes With silver hair A ragged shirt and baggy pants The old soft shoes He jumped so high Jumped so high Then he that was Nina Simone with Mr. Bojangles, the song choice of my business shaper today, Mike Souter, a proper media heavyweight, an amazingly wide range of skills, right from understanding how journalists are going to write to creating content to actually running a business, and importantly, crucially, someone who understands how to spot a market opportunity. Brilliant stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, stay with us here on Jazz FM, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.